You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I'm for us to realize how many episodes are we in? That's wonderful. That's so good. You are not recording us, Joel. 100 percent I am because these these this <laughs> stuff right here is the gold before the real show starts. Hey and hey, welcome to welcome to At Home the Podcast with Walkie MC Season Two Episode Ten. Uh, we continue on uh, in our discussions around our sermon content for Sunday, but we are in a new sermon series and. Uh, Yet again, brought to us by uh, Pastor Chris. Our great leader. Our great leader, the fearless leader. Also, Angie Brenneman. Hi. Welcome. Join us again. Yes. Back. Thanks, you're, Joel. You're back here. Uh, we do, and just as a little bit of a preview, we are recording this episode, continuing on in our uh, kind of our sermon series content and diving into it. We have a bonus episode coming out uh, very, very soon with just a little bit of a preview. Jay and Beth Shetler were in with us uh they uh, were our keynote speakers for our recent marriage retreat, so we've got that coming out. So keep your keep your ears peeled. I don't think that's the right. No, I would say your eyes peeled, ears open, your, and and hearts available. Phone subscribed and keep your phone subscribed. <laughs> that's wonderful. Keep, your your app, keep, whatever you do to sure listen to yeah, this podcast. Make sure keep you're it following. Keep it following. Keep it subscribed. Keep the notifications on. All of them. But not during church. Please silence them. <laughs> please, 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 silence. please silence them. I always love it when the Bible app goes off. Hey, turn to turn, turn to the book of John with me. And it starts John chapter five. In the beginning, <laughs> we are not calling anybody out that's listening right we now. Are. We're so glad. We're so glad you have got the Bible app. But, but thanks for listening, Mom. Wow, good, so good. Hey, uh, Chris, as we begin uh, launching into this Jesus went series. Give us the flyover, sure. uh, the concept behind it, and then you can just actually run us right into this first uh, this first installment, if you will. Absolutely. So I'm just going to be super candid since we already were, since we pushed record a little early here. Without us uh, knowing. <laughs> I, won't have, I won't have all the juicy stuff in there. Don't, so, don't worry. Yeah. Honestly, to be transparent, I think every pastor gets to the season and wonders, what is the take on Easter going to be this year? What is the take going to be on Christmas this year? Uh, it's a very familiar story to followers of Jesus, and after a while, it can become routine. And and so as I was really thinking through the life of Jesus, the season that we're in, uh, I really wanted to think about the places Jesus went. So I did some reading. I did some looking at other things, and I just came across some different thoughts, and I thought, you know, those are some good Good topics to maybe build a series around, and so I wanted to take uh, my take on it. And so, the places that Jesus went, uh, you see in his earthly ministry that he went uh, to the desert. That's where he started, and and so we'll get there uh, today in, in in just a little bit. But I really want to talk about Jesus going to outsiders. Um, that's going to be next Sunday. I'm really fired up about that. Uh, Jesus went to the crowds. Jesus went to people in places of shame. Uh, but Jesus ultimately went to the cross. And I think my concern is that I don't know that the church folks, us, me, 
always grasp where Jesus went and that we should do likewise. It seems like we wholly huddle and uh, sometimes forget what it is like that to, to live out in the world where Jesus was going to seek and save that which was lost. But we look at Jesus and we go, man, wasn't that great that he did that? Yeah. I'm just I'm so grateful that Jesus that Jesus did that. Yeah, he went to the desert and didn't eat for 40 days. Yeah, I'm so glad that he did that. I'm glad he did that. I'm mean, I a little uncomfortable I'm, that he did some of the things he really did. How can you really do that? But you know? how can yeah. you do that? <laughs> yeah, he for, didn't expect me to go to places of shame. He didn't right. expect me to hang out with outsiders. He, yeah. he did that because he was God, and he did it for a purpose, right. that, and he completed that purpose, and we don't need to do that. I just, and I think, you know, Chris is speaking hypothetically here, but he's not because I know I myself have I've had those conversations with Jesus is setting an example, but but that example is beyond us. So we should just acknowledge that he is the good and perfect father and that he's exampling things that are are beyond us. And I I just go, why did the gospel writers write what they wrote then? Why did they they're not here to give us a story that's so far beyond us that we cannot engage instead in Jesus's own words, therefore go and do likewise. So many of the things we read, even the sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus's most clear teachings. And we go, well, I don't think that's for real people on, on earth. Cause it's just, it's such a, it's a, such a lofty call, which to be clear on our own, it is a lofty call and it is an impossible call. But as we are told as Jesus followers, as bearers of his spirit, things are made possible for us. So, um, I good job for taking us here because I think we need to go here where Jesus went, we go. Yeah. And that's a call that is so necessary to understand. And so, with that, we have to understand Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so, we have that uh, understanding. But in our lives, we are who we are, we are sinners saved by grace given the Holy Spirit so that we can go where God calls us to go and be who Jesus was to those around him. And so let's go. Let's dive in. Absolutely. So on Sunday, we kicked off uh, with Jesus going to the desert. And and I'm just going to be transparent. Uh, This was not the one I was most excited about uh, <laughs> preaching. And and I needed to kick off the series, and I needed to, to get in this. I just didn't feel like we could skip this one. So it's not real fun to say, hey, let's talk about Jesus going to the desert and being tempted. However, it is really important when we understand the background of the Old Testament, understand the failures of Adam and Eve, understand the failures of the children of Israel, and see that Jesus, when you look in the Gospel of Matthew, when you look in Luke, and you can see how it all started uh, chapters one and two it's saying hey this is Jesus born uh, the birth story the birth narrative and you can see how prophecies were being fulfilled and then as you see John the Baptist enter the scene baptizing it's again prophecy and it's everything coming to fruition and then you see Jesus heading into the desert in both of these gospels it's critical because just as the children of Israel were led into the desert mm-hmm. here's Jesus led into the desert faces the same types of temptation. The children of Israel gave in to those temptations. Jesus, the Messiah, was able to stand strong. And I think that was the point that had to get delivered in this message so that we start to wrap up. The stories of the scriptures are not just a bunch of independent little stories standing alone, thoughts and and, and stories. 
but they have a purpose, and God's purpose, and when we look through Scripture, is the redemption of mankind, and here's Jesus on the scene. And I think a lot of times we go, oh, the gospel story starts with the narrative of Christmas, and that's only good for Christmas. And now let's just get into Jesus's ministry. And I like it when he called people and he healed people and he and he he went places. But you had to start with the I think connecting the dots, and and so that's what we did on Sunday. He's in so many ways in this temptation. He is he is earning the right to be the Messiah. He is uh, he is he is fulfilling and exampling that. Uh, he is full. It's an affirmation of his full godness and his full in his full manhood, and and that he's indwelling both. Um, which I mean, so much ink has been spilt about that truth. I mean, that, that is a that's a powerful and deep, and at times confusing truth. But the fact is that he has to first. He does have to defeat the devil in the desert under under the full really under the full capability of him choosing not to follow God. See, this is just a, a quick little kind of a, a philosophical thing here to mention though. If if Jesus is not presented with the full ability to do other than God's will, then him doing God's will isn't really accomplishing much. Right? So it's here in this testing ground of the of the enemy coming to him and offering him everything. I mean everything, everything from his uh, his personal fulfillment, power fulfillment, all of that. It, it is not – it's an attack on Jesus' character and who he is, and it's an opportunity for him to say, I am who God says I am, or I am who the world wants me to be right there in this in this place. And I think that's that's the powerful first image that launches him in to the power of his ministry. Absolutely. And to piggyback on what you just said, because you, you're absolutely hitting it, it was relatable. The that these are the ancestors that he's speaking to. And they would have said, Wow, yeah, we know these stories That's growing so up. And now, wow, that guy actually has accomplished that. Oh my. And so it, it just again sets that stage. Yep. Absolutely. But I also want to point out that the desert represents some place that we are at the end of ourselves. Like the Israelites had no control. They were outside of themselves. Jesus goes to a place that is outside. I mean, he has nothing, no food, no place. And so the desert represents a coming to the end of ourselves. And we have to see that because only in that time was Jesus fully God and fully man at the same time. And how we get really tapped into this whole idea that he, the Holy Spirit lives in us in a real sense is we have to come to the end of ourselves and live it out. And what you pointed out uh, on Sunday, Chris, and I, and I just like, it was kind of like a light bulb for me was when it says the spirit led him into the desert. Like, like, you know, sometimes it's like, it's like, oh no, I led myself into the, I walked into the desert and found myself here. It's like, no, the spirit thought it good. The spirit thought it right for him to be in the for him to be in the desert. He was he was led there by the spirit, not by some other force, not by some other power. And I think that's the uh, he so the, so the spirit is leading him into a place of temptation. The spirit is not tempting him itself, but it is bringing him to this place where his again where his reliance on the Father will be tested in the truest in the truest way possible. Um, you you mentioned sometimes like when uh, Christians we get confused about the nature of temptation like where it's coming from yeah, how we're supposed to deal with it 
Um, I just, I, I just yeah. wonder, you and know. To, and to your point about emphasizing the fact that that the Spirit led Jesus into that and allowed him to be tempted by the devil. Uh, the point that I was making was we as followers of Jesus sometimes get this idea in our head, and I'm not sure where it comes from. Like you're saying, that I have the I have the Holy Spirit. I'm a follower of Jesus. Why am I being tempted? And and we act like that, but. Well, I think temptation is not something any of us are void of. Right. Uh, I would love it if we were. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the day it's yep. done. But it's a maturing. It's a growing opportunity. It's a disciplining us opportunity. I think throughout the Gospels, we'll see that um, temptation is a reality in our lives. Now, it says even in Romans that those who do not know the law, does not know the truth, God doesn't hold those people to it. But the people who do know the law and do know the truth and do not act on it. That's the deal. And we know it. And I think temptation isn't, isn't someone who doesn't know what sin is. Temptation is for the believer who understands sin, understands the impact of what the cross was in their life. And so I want to clarify that an unbeliever is, is not tempted. The believer is tempted. Sure. So Let's jump into temptation just a little bit. Yeah. So that was an important part. Yes, Christians, followers of Jesus, we, we, we will be, we will face temptation. And and actually, I think sometimes even to a greater level than maybe we have in the past. That's just a Chris's thought here. But I want to point out when Jesus was tempted, because I think it's really important to note. We know that he was in the desert, and we know he was in the wilderness there for 40 days. I think sometimes along the way, we think, you know, throughout this period of 40 days, Jesus was tempted. And may, I, I alluded to this in the message, you know, maybe it was day four, and then, hey, the devil popped back in on day 11, and then maybe 26, you know, along the way. I like how it specifically says in Luke chapter uh, 4, verses 2 and 3, Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And then there's a key word, and that key word is then. So at the end of the 40 days, then Satan tempts him. In his greatest moment of physical weakness, but if, if you've ever gone through through uh, through a long fast, sometimes actually you're more mentally sharp, yep. uh, but physically depleted. Yeah, and that's, I think— you know, we've uh, our our good friend John Mark Comer. We call him our good friend. He's he's mm-hmm. our he doesn't know he's he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know, know he's, he's our good he, friend. He's not know. been he's not been on the podcast. <laughs> he yet. He's not been yet. That's our next. But you know, and uh, in our in our reading, I think one of the greatest lines that he has um, in "Live No Lies," this most recent book. You know, is it possible that Jesus, in in a particular way, was actually at his strongest strongest point when he physically was so de- physically physically depleted, and yet at his strongest point in the Lord, ready to like it's it's almost as if his fasting was preparing him for the temptation and for for this really this what is a we see it here in kind of very like on the ground terms. This is a cosmic showdown as what's going on here. The the to be really clear. The fate of the universe is in the balance in this conversation in this conversation between Jesus and the devil. Like let's let's not let's let's not patty cake our way through this. It's like no, if Jesus decides to say, you know what, I'll make that I'll make that bargain with you, devil. The world as we know it is is different. And it, it is it's fallen and it's been given over to the the hands of the enemy. Instead, praise God, uh, Christ is faithful. So. I just, I just think, 
you know, for those of you that are are wondering about temptation, or how does it work, or how does it operate? Um, the our strength comes from the Lord. Our strength does not come in simply pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, uh, by simply or simply engaging in a discipline just for the sake of like I sh- I'm going to show them I can do this discipline. It is abiding abiding in the Lord toward health and strength. There were so many places I wanted to go in this sermon, and I felt, to, to be very clear, I, I've said it to you off off record here, uh, homiletically, it wasn't the greatest sermon. <laughs> well, you, you had like, like seven, six inf- or seven points. I felt you like had it was to an information dump because we needed to get a lot of things. I really would have loved to explore fasting further than I felt like I had the chance to. And here's the reason why. Uh, when we fast, we give up something that we think we need in our life. We become more focused. We fast. We pray. We seek the Lord. Cognitively, we can become the sharpest and most in tune at those seasons of time and giving up those things that we seem like we always feel we need. And I think there's something. I would love to do a whole episode sometime on mm-hmm. fasting because I think we're missing it as a as a church and as a, a group of followers of Jesus. But in that giving up something, it's replacing it with Jesus. And I think it's that put on, put off principle that we have to realize exists, exists even outside of fasting, that we, when we have the God's power, when we say, okay, I'm struggling with this temptation, I'm going to put it off. What am I going to put on? I'm going to put on the scripture, the truth of God's word. And how does Jesus defeat the devil in the desert? It's by scripture. It's by truth. Yeah. And I'm not trying to jump ahead, but oh. the whole deal is that the devil's really smart, we, we can't give him too much credit. We've talked about this, Chris. We can't give him too much credit, but we can't discredit him either. We have to live in this like awareness of who the devil is so that we can be aware of our weaknesses, our temptations, because he, he doesn't know our, like Joel and I were talking, he doesn't know our thoughts. He's not this omnipotent, omnipresent guy right. like Jesus He's not a Christ. Mind, yeah. Not a mind reader. Nine minor, not a mind reader, but he does know our patterns. He does know our habits, and he does like revisit those things so that we understand that uh, we are going to be weak at a time. So Jesus was tempted three different times in this section of Scripture and, and through this process, right? And I don't think it really dawned on me until I was working through this sermon again that in each temptation, he draws back to Scripture. Scripture, 100%. And I think that stands out. I think that's a priority for us. Well, we have to, if we're going to uh, be in a place of taking off something, a temptation. We have to replace it with the truth. We have to say, you know, I'm going to replace it with the truth. Jesus was hungry, and he says, men do not live by bread alone. He yep. he defeated him with truth. And how does the devil get into um, our lives? Well, it's a primary way is lies and manipulation of the truth. Look at Genesis and how he manipulated Eve. It always starts with the question, did God, God really, really? Did he really? And, and so it's it's, like, hmm. it's mentally we have yep. like the whole idea of taking every thought captive, every understanding and not giving the devil a foothold. It comes with the understanding of scripture. It goes right back. Where do we go to to learn truth? God's word. The, the psalmist David, I have hidden your word deep within my heart that I may Amen. not sin against you. And and it's like he doesn't say, I've just tried extra hard that I may not sin against you. I have I you know, I have I've I've sold all my I've sold all my possessions. I've 
I cut off the internet uh, yeah. that I may not sit so, against so you. So David says, I've hidden it deep in my heart. Now, modern translation would say, I have quite a few Bibles in my house. <laughs> I mean, right, doesn't right. that <laughs> right. count? Right. Like, yep. yep. I read them. Yep. Deep within my, and that's the, in the Hebrew, the, the, the lev or levacha. So you, it, it's like the seat of a, of your will. It, it like that's, that's the place where, uh, where God's word, it, which, which we see in Jesus in, in the desert situation here. It, it seems as it's like his will defaults to the fathers through the word. And, and that's the, I think that's, that's just the key because it's just like, the devil is using the same scripture. Let's just let's just be clear. And it's clearly, in friends, if we can just say, and I'll, Pastor Joel will go on record. The devil knows the Bible better than I do, and that's that's the thing. So it's not a matter of it's not a matter of just of information here, but it's a matter of understanding understanding God's word, yes, but then actually actively living it out. Jesus is living out of the scriptures here, which is what gives him. His power, which is what gives him his authority. So it's like it's not only does Jesus just quote scripture back to the devil, he lives it out and is obedient to it and and what it's what its intent is. And that's I so it's yeah, I don't it's not that you just have a bunch of Bibles on the shelf and that I called it good. You know, well, like, and I think that's where you said a word that we often um, don't realize goes with temptation and it's obedience. Obedience unlocks that power. And that's that so yep. we have to remember that we are going to be tempted. It's a reality, but falling into temptation and obedience is our two options. Beautiful, yep, absolutely. So, Chris, after we uh, we get to this uh, this kind of correlation between you know scripture and life, and Jesus goes to scripture. The other thing is is that um, Jesus takes no shortcuts. In, yeah. in any of this, what in any of this, right? So the first time Satan tempts him with the physical side of things, but the second time he really comes at him with saying, "Hey, listen, all of these things, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you up and show you all of this. This could all be yours if you just worship me." Uh, it would have been easy to take a shortcut, you know. You look through Scripture. I point out a couple, but there's a lot of places where in Scripture people could have taken shortcuts. David st- stood out in my mind. Uh, David had the ability at one time to take out Saul, and he says, hey, hey, this is not—this might be my future, right? But this is not the time. That's me taking it into my own hands and uh, and uh, not following what the Lord's plan is for me and how this all plays out. And I look at Jesus. He could have taken the shortcut, but what would that shortcut have meant to us? It wouldn't have been the cross experience. Would it just been power and authority? Um, but I think we get ourselves tempted to take shortcuts in life a lot. And so not doing the hard work. And Jesus fully knew the cross was what was before him. And I tell you what, one of the scenes I think Mel Gibson does pretty mm-hmm. well, and that is the uh, the brutality of the the crucifixion experience. And I hate watching it. But frankly, every time I watch it, I try to say, this was for me. This yep. was for me. Uh, Jesus could have taken that sh- shortcut, but didn't. Right, but I also I also think that we have to understand that temptation isn't always bad, a bad thing. So here Jesus is being told he's tempting him with a good thing. You can rule the world. You can have this. Do you get where this is actually like? That's not a bad thing that Jesus would have control of the world. 
he actually, that we are drawn by our own desires, as James says, our own, Jesus wants to rule in our hearts and rule. So there was actually a, a purpose behind this too. It's not just a shortcut, but it's what he ultimately wants to do. So that's a good thing. But is it right? Is it what God purposed? And Jesus saw beyond yeah, what Jesus, the temptation was. Right. Jesus living into a lie there would be and 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 this is this is something that the church the western church needs to hear. And this is a a, a clear thing. Um I, I think a very very clear thing. Satan claims and Jesus does not argue this point at all. Satan claims that he is the ruler over governmental authority. So just we have to keep that in mind. That's that's the claim. Look around. Yes. <laughs> Look at all these these nations. They are they are mine to give you. And it's, that's not where the argument is. The argument for Jesus is that is not the means by which my will will be done and how earth, how, how know, the purpose would come to be that. Right. The purpose have, of yeah. that, that God's kingdom would be established, not through the governments of men that, that are, that are under the control of the enemy, but rather his purposes would become true because of the kingdom of God. That as it is on heaven, it would also be on earth. That is, that is the means. And so it's like a hundred percent. There is a shortcut offered here that avoids the cross, avoids humiliation. It avoids the need to uh, become weak, to, to actually experience strength and weakness, all these things that we say as followers of Jesus that we want to embody. But like I'm just honest. If I'm Jesus and I'm there and Satan says, and again, this is why it's like we're not God, and Satan says, I'll give you all of this, it's like, Man, the kingdom, the the kingdom of Jesus, Jesus, you know, I get Jesus anity, uh, you know, uh, it's a, established here, and I get to avoid all this. Man, game on! And you're tired, you're, you're hungry, hungry. Sure. you're at your lowest point physically. Yep, yeah, yep. It's uh, it's it seems like a really really good deal. And as you said, Angie, so much of the power of lies is that it it offers a, a desired outcome that could be, be good, good. But, could the, be. but mm-hmm. the means by which we get there are yeah. broken and are not in the formational uh, desire of our Lord. And, and that's the thing Jesus is being, it, it's, it's interesting. Jesus is being formed here. Like there's, there's a formation that is, ha- that is happening where it's like I said in the story, he's earning, he's fulfilling and earning the right to be, to be Lord, you know, he's the sacrificial lamb. He is. Anyways. He's. Yes. He's. He's. He is going through the process by which the hearer of the story can say, "Yep, he checks all the boxes. He checks all the boxes. He is the faithful Adam. He is the faithful Hebrew in the desert. He is. He is. Uh, he is all those things that where we have failed, he has succeeded, and therefore, we we can call him Lord. We can call him Savior. We can call him the Messiah. We and we know those. We know those things to be true, and. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm just I'm grateful to God that no short <laughs> no shortcuts there were taken because, and yeah, it's huge. And I think that as human beings, I'm just going to point that out. The Jewish nation thought he was going to come as the king and conqueror, like 100%. this. Yep. This was the desire yeah. of the people around him. It's what they were looking for. Yep. Yeah. So the third one, Jesus was tested by food. He was tested by giving authority, tempted in that way. The last one's really the testing of God. And in, in, in ultimately, I, like, I don't like how it says, but I think it's important to point out in verse 9, if you are the Son of God. Again, who said, going back to the Garden of Eden, so why is this? And so here's, here's the devil doing this again. If you are the Son of God, then jump off. 
for the scriptures say, here's Satan actually now getting into the quoting of scripture game. Uh, he's, he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up in their hands, uh, with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But then Jesus responds, the scriptures also say, so now we get this little scripture war going on, uh, you must not test the Lord your God. You know, this whole idea of questioning God, that's quite a temptation. Uh, I think we find ourselves in that, if we're really honest with ourselves. We find ourselves in difficult times, seasons of life, trials, and we find ourselves almost at times defaulting to, God, why? Why would you do this? This can't be you, Mm -hmm. right? You, You aren't like this to put us in a situation like this. And we've talked about this in past podcasts, but I do think that whole idea of if you are God, putting that little season of doubt into the mind, then uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, temptation there. We so oftentimes um, want God, we, we put a box out and we say, if you're God, you will behave this way. You will do this thing. And the struggle there is um, if he's God, maybe the best thing is that he doesn't respond like can we can we just doubt for a hot second can we just doubt our own definitions of what god needs to do uh, like you know of of how he must respond to something um because you know again satan's like satan's temptation here is like you just think there's a little bit of an insanity to it right what is what does it accomplish for jesus to throw himself from the temple right and the angels show up. And because, by the way, this also parallels similar, like, hey, by the way, if my kingdom were of this world, my angels would show, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I could have called down 10,000 and what. There is a, there's a glory, a, a twisted glory motif that's kind of coming out here. Pride of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Pride. Look what I did. Exactly I right. Did. Because, because it's like so much of Jesus's ministry will be. In obscure, there's there's obscurity, a, 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 humility, a humility and yeah. obscurity, and it's in the humility and the obscurity that that the world is being changed. The world is not being changed through the flash and the the casting off from the temple and the making a deal with the devil about gaining power over the nations. That that is not the means by which it's being accomplished. And let me tell you. Those are real temptations. Those are temptations that men over history have fallen prey to, and the bloodshed and the division and all the things that come from those things, um, I would hope, would give us a good lesson about about the means by which tr- that God's kingdom will truly come. Absolutely. If I could put the bow on this episode here in this topic of temptation, at the end of the day, I'm glad that we serve a God who understands and who walked through temptation in all three of these areas that we face the same type Mm -hmm. of thing today. Because when we plead to the Lord in our times of of temptation and trials and such like that, we are pleading to somebody who understands. Man, so good. Well, and I just want to point this out before we close. In the end of that verse, uh, in 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus— he left him, what's the word? Yeah. Until. Until the next opportunity came. Yeah. Guys, this is reality. We live in it. The devil is seeking and searching for those he can devour, and he's continually doing that, and we have to be aware. Jesus was aware that this wasn't going to be the end. I kind of think back to the, the garden and where he just you know, cried and, and <laughs> pleaded to take this 
so you said something that's really interesting, and it just popped into my head. Uh, we're getting ready for next week, talking about Jesus seeking the outsiders. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. The devil is also on a seeking mission. Y'all, listen, there is no neutral. There is a you Amen. are You are being sought. And so the question is, who are you yielding He's to? He's a lion. He's prowling around. And if you're isolated, you're sick, you're in a place of weakness, guess what he's going to do? He's searching you out. He's looking for those that he can devour. Oh, there we go. That that that'll that'll do right there, uh, <laughs> friends. Uh, we we love you. We're grateful that you listen. Um, in these conversations, hopefully, you hear our passion that we we desire uh, here as part of, as being just part of a faith community. We desire for people to first and foremost to put their trust in Jesus, uh, and and then from that. Um, as we've said so many times, to experience a long obedience in the same direction to him because that is the best way to live. It is a way of hope and it is a way of promise. And so uh, we're really excited just to continue to talk about the different people that Jesus went to um, because, boy, it's a real smorgasbord of of different kinds of characters and all of them are instructive for us. All of them uh, give us uh, a perspective on on the call that is before us as as we follow after him, as we're obedient to him. Um, so again, thanks for joining us, uh, on another episode here. We look forward to bringing you, uh, just more episodes each week as we continue on in this series, uh, Jesus went. So until next time, we wish each and every one of you grace and peace. At home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkymc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.